Skip tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. Belichick pressers are about blowing smoke up the other team's ass. Then get to work gathering information so he knows the other team's play calls. Man, we all know he hasn't cheated in like 12 years. Well, we know he hasn't spied in like 12 years. They deflated footballs. Who knows what he's up to now? Is it any coincidence? Any at all? That Le'Veon Bell got hurt? In the last game? I don't think so. Go after his legs, they say. I have no idea. I do that. I don't like Belichick. Why would I? He ruined parts of my childhood. But what I will say about him is he actually is pretty informative in press conferences if you ask him good football questions. He will go into extensive detail. In fact, today I listened to his press conference because I'm sick and I'm really fired up for this game on Sunday. And he was talking about the Steelers' defensive line, and he said on tape, every time we watch the Steelers' defensive line under defensive line coach John Mitchell, they run to the football better than any team we see. And it's true. Cam Hayward gets down the field. Stephon Tuitt gets down the field. Javon Hargrave gets down the field. And they do it on plays that they shouldn't be involved in. And we saw a couple of years ago Stephon Tuitt against the Chiefs when the Steelers clinched the playoffs. He forced a fumble that way. It happened with Brett Kiesel whenever the... Browns kick the Steelers' ass in Cleveland. It doesn't happen very often, so you know which game I'm referring to. Brett Kiesel ran down the field to tackle a tight end on a throwback pass. So Belichick is a brilliant guy. He's so bright. He's a genius. He really is in the football sense. He knows so much about all these teams in the league. He was spot on. Last year when he was asked about Le'Veon Bell, the first words out of his mouth were, Oh, God. He knows who's good. He knows who's not. It's the guys who aren't good that he takes advantage of. He knows Ben's going to get his. He knows AB's going to get his. He knows Le'Veon Bell's going to get his. It's about exploiting the guys on the other side. It's exploiting the guys on the defense who aren't the best. It's about trying to take one of those guys away on offense, let the other guy feast, but take away the guy who's going to kill you the most. Smart guy. Again, I would take Tom Brady every day over him. It's much more important in my mind to have a great quarterback than a great coach. But it doesn't mean Bill Belichick ain't a great one. Because damn, he is. Funny story about Bill. Sort of. I went to the NFL Combine last year. I go every freaking year because I'm a dweeb, and it's also my job. And I'm walking to gather some of the equipment with my engineer at the time, Craig, and we walked by Bill Belichick. He's just walking along, in a hoodie no less, wearing a backpack, smile from ear to ear. I don't think i ever seen a guy smile before. And Craig turns to me and goes, do you know who that was? I said, yeah, jackass. Bill Belichick. I should have taken a picture with him. That borders on unprofessionalism, probably. And I was there for the Steelers. But I really wish I would have got one. Maybe I'll talk to him on Sunday. Hey, man, remember me? You walked by me in Indianapolis. 
I'm a major medium market star. 412-922-2874. Eric in Pittsburgh next on the Crowley Show. Hello, Eric. Hey, what's going on, man? It's me again. <laughs> now, I just want to talk about your Belichick topic. I think I would take Belichick, man, only because the year when Tom Brady was out for the whole year for ACL, they went 11-5. They did, but they got their ass beat by the Steelers. Not right, you know, but they won 11-5. and five. Last year when he was suspended, first four games, they went 3-1 and one with two different quarterbacks. He's a damn good coach. So, There's a difference, though, I think, and it's a good point by you, Eric. It really is. There's a difference between winning championships and not, and that difference is always the quarterback. Bill Belichick didn't win a championship with Matt Castle. He went 11-5. and five. It should have been enough to get to the playoffs. It wasn't, but he wouldn't, wouldn't win a championship. He got drubbed by the Steelers. When do the Steelers drub the Patriots? They don't. Except when Brady's not there. Tells me a little something about how important Brady is to them. Yeah, they went 3-1 and one last year without Tom at the beginning of the season. But we saw the Cardinals miss a very makeable field goal that if they had made, they'd have gone 2-2. Two and two. Now, you win these games by slim margins. It's what the Steelers have been doing all season long. But you're not winning a championship without Brady. You're not. Garoppolo's different. Garoppolo's really, really, really good. He's playing well in San Francisco right now, which shows me that he's the real deal. Maybe he could have won something with him. He certainly maximizes the talent of his players, but I kind of feel like that's a little bit overblown. Last year, they lose a couple of guys. They lose the pass rusher Chandler Jones, who winds up going to those Arizona Cardinals. He loses the inside guy who goes to the Browns, and everyone says, Belichick's so smart. He doesn't need talent to win championships. Oh, he's so smart. They fawn over him. Oh, my God, he's the absolute best, and okay, he very well might be. But it's a lot easier to kick those players to the curb when you got Tom Brady. The Steelers don't have that luxury where they can say, Martavis, see him. The Patriots would have said, F you, man. We don't need your ass. We'll complete balls to the white guy, and we'll still win. We don't need you. Get out of here. Why? Because they got the greatest quarterback of all time. Steelers got a great quarterback. Steelers got a great coach. They don't have the greatest quarterback of all time. If Tomlin had Brady, they'd have won another championship. And I know you all hate hearing that because you really want to think this is all Tomlin's fault. Cowherd had that take last year where he said, Mike Tomlin is wasting the prime of Ben Roethlisberger. And I laughed him right out of my ears. Because Ben's had a pretty darn good career, winning two Super Bowls and going to a third. And that's really what you get when you're not Brady. That's kind of the max for guys, unless they're one of the all-time greats. And Ben's great. Ben's a Hall of Famer. He's not one of the all-time greats. He's not Montana. He's not Brady. He's not Peyton. He's not. It should fall on his feet. And, in fact, I don't really want to blame him for anything. Just like I don't want to blame Tomlin for anything. They ran into the Patriots a couple of times. A lot of people have, and a lot of people suffered the same fate. Ben Roethlisberger's really freaking good. He's not one of the best of all time. They've got the best. It's really tough to consider what you've got going on as success 
when you're comparing it to the best of all time. Who knows what the Colts would have done with Peyton Manning if Tom Brady wasn't in the picture? Who knows what some of these great Denver teams would have done if Tom Brady wasn't in the picture? Who knows what the Saints would have done? Who knows what any of these franchises would have done if Tom Brady and Bill Belichick in that franchise weren't standing there at the end all the freaking time? It's their era. And it's going on and on and on because Tom Brady injects his junk with gelatin. I don't know what he does. I don't know. I don't know, but he's going to be around, and he's been around forever. He's been around since 2001. Just leave. He's been around for as long as I've been a football fan. Like, see ya. Get out of here. Bye. But don't tell me that Mike Tomlin's wasted the prime of Roethlisberger's career like they're supposed to get something else. When you go up against the greats of all time, you don't get to where you would have gone otherwise. Where do you think the Raiders would have gone? From the 70s? They would have been that dynasty, but Pittsburgh got in the way. You still look back and you say Oakland had a really good team, but you don't say they were a dynasty. If the Steelers weren't there, they would have been. If the Patriots weren't here right now, the Steelers might have been, or the Colts might have been. But you got to realize your place in history. you got to realize your place in as it pertains to the greatest of all time, not the other way around. Ben's got what Ben's got, and good for him. Tomlin's got what Tomlin's got, and good for him. Anything that they get, they should be thankful for. Because the Patriots, they're the ones right now who feel like they're entitled to that championship every single year. You're only supposed to win so much. The Patriots are winning as much as you possibly can. They've won five out of 16 years. That's as much as you can in this sport, right? But the Steelers are winning as much as anybody else really ever has, aside from those great dynasties of all time. And again, maybe they'd have been in that position had the Patriots not been here right now. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Mike Tomlin said in his press conference yesterday he wants to dictate on offense, what the defense is going to do. Or, if the defense lines up a certain way, the Steelers can just say, okay, we'll beat you the other way. I was listening to Stan's show earlier, and I've been listening to a lot of sports talk today and throughout the week because, my God, Patriots Sunday, hello. And there's been some confusion about what balance means. Mike Tomlin said we're a balanced outfit right now. He's not talking about one of those Walenda freakazoids walking across a tightrope. The definition of balance has changed a lot over the years. Stan might say balance is 60-40 throwing the football or 50-50 at the very best. All an effort to keep a team off balance. To me, the true definition of balance is being able to do whatever you want based on what the defense presents. On the Steelers' final drive, the Ravens dared the Steelers to throw deep to Antonio Brown on third and five. Steelers had that third down conversion all day. They were moving the check the the sticks all day long. They could do whatever they wanted to on offense all day freaking long. All day long. The Ravens said, okay, let's make him throw it deep. And then that way, it's a lower percentage throw. Well, Ben Roethlisberger used to be the best deep ball thrower in the league. These last four weeks, he's been that guy again. He said, I'm taking it. 
It's like he handed the ball to Antonio Brown. He took what they were given. Ben saw single coverage, threw it to his best player. Bang, game over. Steelers in field goal range. On to Patriots week. If the opponent plays two high safeties and has a weak box, Steelers will run the ball. 66 times they threw it last week, and it may have been as balanced as they were all season long. Early in the season, they had to run because the passing game wasn't working. It's all working now. It's why I have more faith in the Steelers now, despite a bad defense. Even with the improved defense, the Steelers weren't going to contend for a Super Bowl without Ben Roethlisberger playing the way he is right now. Steelers have a lot of flaws, but now the quarterback isn't on that list, which is good news for the Steelers and their fans. As we talked about before, quarterbacks are the erasers on the football field. If the defense is bad, so what? You can win a championship with the quarterback. Brees and Manning have carried bad defenses. Brady's carrying one right now, as is Russell Wilson with the injuries they've suffered. Ben's at the top of his game. The offense is balanced. I have big faith that the Steelers can win this game if Ben plays the way he has the last few weeks. And the Steelers' offense right now is at the height of their powers. It's fun to watch. They will do whatever they want to you. Whatever they want. You guys would all be proud of me if you heard what just went through my head right now. I'm talking to Brian and Katie and Joe. Didn't get fired just now. Good job, Adam. I'm proud of myself. 412-922-2874. Up next, Ray Fittipaldo touches on all those topics. You're listening to The Crowley Show. Ray Fittipaldo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette joining me in a few moments here on the Crowley Show. First, let's go to Warren in Pittsburgh. Hello, Warren. Uh, hello. Um, I just wanted to make, uh, you're doing a fine job there. Sure. You're doing there. Um, uh, the, a lot of people in the sports industry has not brought up a very important uh, part that helped the Steelers lose the last time they played. And this is a fact. If you are an accountant, okay, not even a football player, and you're getting up the next day to do accounting, and someone wakes you up at 3.30 in the morning. Oh, yes. And if you look at the game film, man, it looked like they were sleepwalking, and that's exactly what happens when you pull a fire alarm at 3.30 in the morning. I appreciate the call, Warren. If that's the reason that the Steelers lost, then yes, fire Mike Tomlin right now. They didn't lose because some Patriots fan pulled the fire alarm. That being said, I don't know if I'm allowed to incite listeners to do anything illegal. Probably not. Absolutely not. Okay. So I won't. But it would be funny if one of you out there... Again, don't do it. Do not try this at home. It would be funny if one of y'all out there pulled their fire alarm. Again, I'm not telling you to do it. In fact, I am telling you explicitly not to do it. Do not pull their fire alarm. Do it. It'd be be funny if they did. Do it. It'd be funny if you did. Do it. But don't. Do it. See, Joe's telling you to do it, but... Do it. I'm saying no. Don't do it. Do it. 
be funny. You'd also go to prison. Briefly. Probably be back in time to watch the game. Yeah, what else? Yeah, you'd probably be back in time to watch the game. Don't do it! Do it. Do not! But it would be funny. Do it. Don't do it, but it would be funny. I'm joined now by Ray Fittipaldo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Big old game this weekend. Uh, Ray, thank you so much for taking the time today. Do it. I'm great, dude. Hopefully you're not out there caught in the snowstorm. Although, hopefully we're all caught in one on Sunday. I'd like that to be a nice little visual, but we'll see what happens. Ray, do you think that the number one concern for the Steelers is keeping Brady off the field? Because I think that it's something you want to see happen, but I think the first thing that needs to happen is score points. If you score quickly, whatever, just score. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to control the clock and to keep Tom Brady off the field, but I don't know if that's going to be a successful strategy if you're settling for Chris Boswell field goals. So I think it all comes down to, uh, you know, the red zone. And you look at the Patriots, they're 29th in the league in total defense. They give up more yards than almost any team in the league. But when it comes down to it, when you penetrate the 20-yard line, they're one of the best teams in the league in red zone defense. So uh, I think they're uh, a top-10 red zone defense team, something like number seven. They're really good once once you get down there. So, um, yeah, you got to control the ball, Adam. But um, like I said, it's, if Ben Roethlisberger isn't uh, punching that ball in the end zone with Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell and, you know, Chris Boswell is a factor in this game. I don't know if it's going to turn out well for the Steelers. Ray, the Steelers over the last four weeks have really been playing well offensively. I don't think it's any coincidence that we've seen Le'Veon Bell catch the ball 35 times as opposed to 40 in the first nine games. Why is it so critical to get him involved in the passing game? Well, it was critical against the Ravens because Juju Smith-Schuster was out. Um, and I, I know his, his receptions – or up even when Juju was healthy. I don't expect that to, to continue. Um, you're going to have Juju back this week. Um, you know, Eli's going to work in there. Martavis is going to work in there. I think eventually they're going to have to run the ball more than they did. I don't, you know, they, they were in a position on Sunday night against the Ravens where they had to pass. Um, 66 pass attempts is almost outrageous when you think about it. Um, so eventually they're going to get, get back to more of a balance. Um, but you're right. I mean, Le'Veon Bell is one of the best um, receivers out of the backfield in the NFL, and they have to use him accordingly. I just don't think that it's a long-term recipe for success. Um, I think eventually they're going to have to get back to the running game. Um, but I look today, one more, you know, one more note about his, his ability out of the backfield. He's got 75 catches already. He set the team record with, I think, 83 a couple of years ago. The NFL record, I don't know if he's going to get close to I think that's like 102, 103 by Matt Forte. But he's going to get that, that team record again. And it's just amazing because he really wasn't being used as a receiver early in the season, and he's just accumulated a bunch here in the last couple of weeks. He's just he's so, so effective as a runner and as a receiver. But like I said, I think eventually they got to get back to riding him on the ground a little bit. One of the best, Ray Fittipaldo, joining me here on the Crowley Show. Ray, one of the things that I saw and read about from the Patriots' struggles in Miami is that Drake was motioned out from the backfield into some receiver routes, even 
going all the way out to the boundary. The Patriots were having to declare uh, whether or not they're playing man coverage in those instances, and yet they got burned. Is that something that you'd expect some of in this game? I like that idea, although your last answer kind of intimated that you're going to just see more of the Steelers doing what they do with Juju and with Antonio Brown. Yeah, I mean, listen, look at the the, the game against the Ravens on Sunday night. They split Le'Veon Bell out. He ran a little slant like he was a uh, like he's been playing receiver his entire life, and you know he caught a touchdown. So, um, yeah, he's got that capability. And if they see a weakness in the Patriots' defense where that's going to work again, they're going to exploit it. But if you really look back on the season, Adam, that was really one of the first times we've seen Le'Veon split out and used as a wideout like that. Most of his receptions this season have come, you know, at the safety valve out of the backfield, running those little flat patterns. And, you know, he's he's safety valve for for Ben. Um, I know they've used him as a receiver much more in the past, and they did it Sunday night against the Ravens. Um, They could do it again against the Patriots if if that's the way they can beat them, but that's really not – that hasn't been the – um, the recipe this season through the first, uh, you know, 13 weeks or so. What's the deal with Ben, man? Why is he playing this way when at the beginning of the season I thought he might never play this way again? You know, Adam, I, we all heard what Mike Tomlin and Todd Haley had to say in the first half of the season when the defense was playing lights out. They were really calling an offensive game structured around that defense. They They were, you know, admittedly conservative and, you know, they were, you know, riding Le'Veon Bell. And, you know, Ben really wasn't in a rhythm. And it just seems like since Joe Hayden's been out of the lineup, and more recently with Ryan Shazier being out of the lineup, they've had to rely more on him to, to win football games. Um, they've needed big comebacks. I mean, they were down 11 against the Ravens, and um, he led them back. So I, I think with more responsibility, um, he's been able to get into more of a rhythm here and, yeah, I, I think he's definitely shouting down those those cries from earlier in the season that, that, that he was done. You know, after that Jacksonville game, that seemed like it was gloom and doom as far as his career was concerned. And if you look at the past month now, you can make an argument he's playing the best of any quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and really, there's no doubt in my mind, Brady has, of course, had this tremendous season, but his last two games haven't been great. And if you had to say... Going into this game, maybe one team has the advantage based on the recent play. It would be the Steelers, but we all know that that's not the way it's going to go. Tom Brady's probably going to come in here and light the Steelers up. Certainly, if you look at what the Steelers' defense has done these last couple of weeks, Ray, what can be done? Do you think that they've got a plan now at inside linebacker after seeing the kind of Ferris wheel or the, the carnival ride going through there yesterday or on Sunday, pardon me? Yeah, I mean, if you're Josh McDaniel and, you know, Bill Belichick trying to come up with a game plan for this, for this week, you almost have your pick of what you want to do, you know. When they beat the Steelers in the regular season last year, like Garrett Blunt had 127 yards on the ground and, you know, it really wasn't Brady who, who sliced and diced them. Um, that changed in the AFC championship game, obviously. Um, you know, he, he did what he usually does against the Steelers. So, um, yeah, the Steelers got to get much better, not only, um, with their, with their run defense there, but, you know, the pass defense too, they've been giving up an average of over 260 yards per game without Joe Hayden. The good news is Joe Hayden was back at practice today. It was a little bit more of a walkthrough than a practice, very light workout. 
Um, he said he's going to test his his leg uh, Thursday and Friday, and he's going to see how he feels. He said he wants to play, but I just get the feeling that uh, he might be a week or so away. Um, he'll be asking an awful lot of a guy to to walk into such a high stakes game against Tom Brady after not playing for a month on a on a sore leg to you know to 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 be out there and to be effective. So he said he wants to play. We'll see how it goes later in the week, but. Um, you know, if he could play and he's effective, that's going to be a great, great advantage for the Steelers going into this game. No question about it. And I guess that leads perfectly to the next question, Ray, which is without him, do they have the ability to play man coverage? And if they do have him, how does that change things for the Steelers? Yeah, I mean, if, I mean, Joe Hayden, he, he played, he was exposed to man defense when, when he was in Cleveland. They played both, both man and zone, so... He's familiar with it, even though they haven't done it a lot this season. So um, it would be huge, like I said. But, you know, the other thing was Cody Sensabaugh uh, suffered a shoulder injury in that Ravens game. He did not practice today, even though it was a walkthrough. Um, so, it was, you know, if, if, if Sensabaugh can't go, oh, man. Joe Hayden can't go, then you're looking at playing uh, rookie third-round pick Cam Sutton, who's done okay. You know, he was in there for half the game, supporting reps. With Sensabaugh, but there you go again, Adam. You know, exposing a rookie to an entire game um, against Tom Brady when he wasn't even on the active roster a month ago. Um, you know, you could see how that might be, uh, you know, bad for the Steelers come Sunday night. Ray Fittipaldo of the Pittsburgh Post Gazette joining me here on the Crowley Show. Ray, the Steelers haven't been getting the pressure that they got early on in the season, at least in my eyes. Now they have made plays at the critical moment of games, and I guess that's the most important thing, but so much talk about beating Brady is getting pressure, and you always hear up the middle, and I think the Steelers have the guys to do that, but is it just my eyes being wrong, or have the Steelers started to hit a little bit of a lull there? Yeah, a little bit. You know, TJ's watch sack late in that game was the only one they had um, against the Ravens, and, you know, like you said, it was timely. Um, but they, they, you know, they're not piling up four or five sacks a game like they were early in the season. So, um, you know, we've discussed it before. They're dropping their outside linebackers into coverage more, and they are relying on guys like Hayward and Tuitt and Hargrave to, to get home a little bit more. Um, they're going to have to do it on Sunday. I mean, this, they're paying Cam Hayward and Stephon Tuitt $10 million a year for games like this. You know, the number one seed in the AFC is on the line. This is a game where those guys have to get it done. I mean, it would be great if Watt and Bud Dupree and James Harrison can rush from the outside, too. But like you said, the blueprint against Tom Brady is inside pressure up the middle. He doesn't like it. This is a game where Hayward and Tua have to step up. What's your sense from a Steelers game plan standpoint on the defensive side of the ball, do you think, and, and I we kind of got at it a little bit earlier, Ray, but do you think that they might try to go man uh, either way, even if Hayden and Sensabaugh are out, or is that too much to ask from that young group? You know, that's such an interesting question, Adam. I don't, I don't have a great feel for it early in the week. Like I said, today was just a walkthrough, and, um, you, you know, wait. The thing that we know is they talked the entire offseason about playing more man. The reason they haven't played man in the past was they didn't have the personnel to do it. So, in other words, they never felt like, you know, a guy like a Ross Cockrell or a Valentino Blake was, 
adept enough at playing man coverage that they could get away with it against Tom Brady and be successful. Um, but now you have Joe Hayden. Now you invested a first-round pick in Artie Burns. Now you have a third-round pick in Cam Sutton, who is known for, you know, being a good man coverage guy and, you know, jumping, jumping balls and making plays. So it's going to be interesting to see. They have the personnel to do it this year. If Joe Hayden doesn't play, obviously it's not the ideal situation, but you can make an argument that, you know, hey, we'll throw Cam Sutton out there. We'll throw Artie Burns out there. If it doesn't work, we'll probably get another shot at them in January. So, um, you know, I probably speak for a lot of Steelers fans. I want to see something new. I don't want to see the same old zone and, you know, Tom Brady, um, you know, slicing and dicing them like, like he has in the past. Um, but it all comes down to who's available on Sunday. And right now, Cody Sensabaugh didn't practice on Wednesday. Joe Hayden was limited. we got to see where it goes the rest of the week. Last thing here for you, Ray. I'm looking out and seeing snow right now. It's December football. I'm fired up. What are the guys in the locker room thinking about this game? Mike Tomlin certainly hasn't been shy about the elephant in the room. Yeah, you know, I, I sense uh, like a quiet confidence around this team today. Um, you know, I'm walking around working on a bunch of different stories. I didn't ask those specific questions, but I just get the sense that, hey, you know, the Patriots are, are coming to Heinz Field. They're looking at it like this is our place. We're 11-2. and two. Um We've been talking about this since the loss in the AFC Championship game. I think their their point to this game as sort of the pivotal game in the season for them. Like you know, the season's not going to be over if they lose. Adam will probably get another shot at them at the playoffs, but this game here is going to dictate where that game is played and the possible outcome of that game in January. So I, I think they're they're quietly confident about the game on Sunday, and they're all you know looking forward to uh, going out there and getting another shot at Tom Brady. Love the stuff, Ray. Really appreciate the time, as always. All right, Adam. Appreciate you having me on. Ray Fittipaldo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Always appreciate him taking the time. Great guy. Really good stuff. And a lot of details there on the Steelers and how they're going to match up against the New England Patriots. Coming up next, Mike Tomlin has gotten a lot of flack for, quote-unquote, looking ahead to the New England Patriots. I've liked the way he's handled everything. It's a Crowley Show. Pirates haven't done anything yet. Shocking. Pretty sure Neil Huntington goes to the winter meetings for the free food. Meanwhile, you got the Cardinals adding a big-time power bat, big-time bat from the Miami Marlins. You got the Yankees. Ditto. Apparently, the Cardinals are interested in Juan Nicasio. No surprise there. That's why the Pirates tried to get rid of him and push him along to the Philadelphia Phillies because the Cards were attempting to get him back when the Phillies wound up acquiring him. We'll let you know what's going on with the Pirates when something actually goes down. If Garrett Cole gets moved, we'll talk about the Pirates in depth. If Andrew McCutcheon gets moved, we'll talk about the Pirates in depth. If they were to move any of their major pieces, Josh Harrison, Felipe Rivero, we'll let you know. But until that point, we're going all Stillers Pats because that's what you want to hear. 
This just in, actually. A little bit of breaking news. This is funny. Juan Nicasio signs a two-year, $17 million contract with the Seattle Mariners. $17 million for two years for Nicasio? Jeez. Good for him. You throw one inning every couple days and you get $17 million freaking dollars. Yeesh. My God. We'll talk about baseball when important things happen. But I'm not taking anything away from Patriots Week. The average radio listener doesn't listen very long. The average radio listener listens for like six minutes. So when they tune into my show, I want them to hear me talking about New England. I want them to hear me talking about the Steelers. Because that's what people care about mostly right now in this town. Yeah, this ball club, they got a chance to beat Tom Brady for a first time since 2011. And the talk all offseason long was, you got to prepare to beat the Patriots. Got to beat them Pats. Got to play more man coverage. Got to find a way to outscore them. Got to find a way to keep Tom Brady on the bench. And the media fixated everything the Steelers did was looked at through the scope of how can it help them beat the Patriots. Whatever they did in the offseason, it was, what is this move going to do to beat the Patriots? Bring in TJ Watt? Great. Adds pressure. He's going to pressure Tom Brady. You add Cam Sutton? Maybe they're going to be able to play a little bit more man covered. Yeah, Juju Smith-Schuster? Oh, okay, well, we got this guy now instead of Kobe Hamilton and Sammy Coates going against that New England secondary. Everything they did. Tyson Olulu on the defensive line, so that if Cam Hayward gets hurt, you got that guy. Instead of Ricardo Matthews going up against Tom Brady in the AFC Championship game. Everything they did. We, the media, compared it to what the Patriots were doing. We looked at whatever the Steelers did, and we thought, what does this do to bring them closer to them? What does this do to close the gap? Fast forward to three weeks ago. Steelers getting set to take on the Cincinnati Bengals. Or was it the Packers? It was the Packers. Three weeks ago. Mike Tomlin says before the game, there's an elephant in the room. We know it's coming up December 17th. There's going to be fireworks. Probably first of two. And we all grabbed our asses. And we all freaked out. The media was up in arms. How dare you look ahead? It's not the right thing to do. You got to keep the focus on the here and now. What would Bill Belichick do? And even on my show, I talked about a Boston writer from Comcast Sports Boston who said, how cute for the Steelers to look ahead to the Patriots. Meanwhile, the Patriots are just going to take care of business systematically along the way. I'm one of the few guys who said, I like the way that Mike Tottman handled this. Mike Pursuta said the same thing. We talked about this on Tuesday's show yesterday. Redundant. Mike Tomlin found a way to go 3-0 and since those comments. And the Patriots went 2-1. and The Patriots actually did not hold serve. The Patriots actually lost, and yet they weren't quote-unquote looking ahead to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I love that Mike Tomlin is putting extra emphasis on this game. 
It didn't take away any preparation from any of the last three. They won each of the last three. They've won eight in a row. They were three and two. Now they're 11 and two. Mike Tomlin has put extra emphasis on this game and has not lost the ability to help his team win other games. But the extra emphasis is important. Because to me, the way he's talked about this game, saying you'd rather be in the kitchen, you'd rather be playing these big games, we don't blink, we don't shy away from these kind of things. The more he feels like that the more I think the Steelers got some stuff up their sleeve. Not to say they're going to go out there and run flea flickers and fumble rooskies and fake punts and flip the ball over the kicker's head. Nah, they ain't going to do that stuff. But I do think there's going to be an extra added sense of urgency. I do think there's going to be extra importance placed upon this game by his players. And I think it's only going to help them thrive and execute in what will be an atmosphere unlike any we've seen in Heinz Field in a long time. Steelers know what's at stake. Why? They've been preaching it all year. Mike Tomlin's at least been preaching it for the last three weeks. They know what is at stake. The Patriots do too. Sure, no doubt. They're smart. They approach every game to try to go out there and win it. As do the Steelers. But the Patriots have always been that monster in the closet. They've always been Sandman. At the end of the day, they get the final say. Well, the Steelers know that. The Steelers know that they're the bully. The Steelers know it's time to punch back. And I like that Mike Tomlin's not afraid of the moment. I like that Mike Tomlin's not afraid of bringing up the moment. So many times we hear this coach speak, well, we got to play the team ahead of us. We're on to Cincinnati. F that. This is not just another game. This is not just another team. It's New England, and it's for the AFC. It's New England, it's for that one seed. Go out there and get it. And Mike Tomlin's instilled that in his team. They've been talking about it for a while. And Mike Tomlin's a good enough coach that the Steelers haven't stubbed their toe along the way despite knowing that this New England game means more than the other ones. Sure, they've been close, but they've had the resolve and the wherewithal to be able to pull the game out. They've made plays in the critical times. That's the mark of a team that follows the coach's mindset of toughness. Mike Tomlin always says, don't blink. They they hadn't blinked. And now here they are at 11-2, a better record than New England. Here they are at 11-2 with their sights set on New England. Here they are after an entire offseason of how are they going to beat the Patriots? An entire offseason of Tyson Oluolu being brought in just in case Cam Hayward goes down and how that relates to New England. An entire offseason of Joe Hayden being brought in. Oh, good. Maybe they could play some man coverage. An entire offseason going by of what's going to happen if Senquez Golson can't go? Oh, this Mike Hilton guy, can he play some man? They need man to beat the Patriots. All that happened this offseason. And the media talked so much about New England, and I did four hours a day, five hours a day, in fact, at training camp. That seems like forever ago. And almost everything that I talked about was in the scope of how does this help them beat New England. And finally, it's here. 
You don't think that this team's ready, as Mike Tomlin would say, to unleash hell in December? He handled this perfectly. All those moves, a lot of them, were made to make this team the best team in the NFL. And beyond that, a lot of those moves were made to make the Steelers better than New England. It's really one and the same. And now it's the day of reckoning, right? Now it's the sentencing. Now it's put up or shut up. And Mike Tomlin's talked a lot. Mike Tomlin called him a bad word last year prior to the AFC Championship game. It was caught on tape by Antonio Brown. There's been so much drama, so much buildup to this game, and Mike Tomlin's handled it all perfectly. Let's see if it pays dividends on Sunday. But the focus is in the right place. The media, newspaper columnists, and radio hosts, even nationally, everything the Steelers did, can they beat the Patriots? Everything that was written. Will this person help the Steelers defeat their mortal enemy? And then when Mike Tomlin says something about it, the same media who's been harping on the Patriots the entire time says, Yo, Tomlin, shut up already. Focus on these teams in front of you. Sorry, I screwed that up. Worry about these teams in front of you. And Mike Tomlin said after that, we'll beat these teams ahead of us and we'll set our sights on the Patriots. We're going to beat these guys. He handled it right. I cannot wait to see the atmosphere on Sunday and I cannot wait to see how the Steelers players rise to the challenge. Coming up on tomorrow's show, I got Jerry Dulac of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and the Steelers Radio Network. Tim Benz from the Trib and the Steelers Radio Network. All Pats, all Steelers, unless Garrett Cole gets traded. Unless Andrew McCutcheon gets traded. But I ain't talking baseball unless that shiz goes down. Football, tomorrow, Crowley Show.